Blog Talk Radio. to another episode of the on the cover hosted by myself john robb and jeff Ayers. jeff how you doing doing great happy monday yes and it's good that you are on the mend jeff was a little bit sick uh you know this weekend but it was great that we were able to have him on we wheeled him out of the hospital to get him to a freaking computer and phone so he's able to be here talking to us and then we're done we're going to send him back to the freaking funny farm and we'll see what happens after that so oh thanks appreciate it yeah, you know, hey, we got to get you help in these in these <laughs> troubled times. <laughs> but um, again, I want to thank everybody, and uh, want to thank Chris and Greg for coming on uh, the last show, having Star Wars versus Star Trek, because we had a lot of great response to that show, and it was great to be able to have them on. So um, I want to thank those guys, and again, you guys can listen to all the shows if you just go to iTunes, download the podcast, subscribe to it, you get all the shows on the suspense radio right into your uh, listening device. You can listen to them however you want. And if you don't like it, you can delete it, but we don't suggest you do that. But it is an option. But like tonight's show, we have a very special guest. We're able to finally get him on. It is author Steve Hamilton, uh, of course, best-selling author. We're going to be talking about his book, which comes out May 17th, which if you're listening to it, that's for us, is tomorrow. It is called The Second Life of Nick Mason. So let's bring Steve on the show right now. Steve? Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. So, so let's just jump into it here. And um, the second, the the second life of Nick Mason is your latest book. Comes out tomorrow. Yep. You got to give us the scoop on, on what you got going on. All right. So, <clears throat> imagine that you are in prison. Uh, for you guys, it might not be so hard. For some of your listeners, it might be harder. It's but not. It's not. It's you're, not. Yeah. you're facing. <clears throat> you're facing <laughs> maximum security. You're facing 25 years to life. You're not getting out. But then somebody makes you an offer, and and you accept it because it's the only way you're ever going to see your family again. So the next day, you walk out of prison. And you're not just out of prison. You are suddenly living in a in, the, in a luxury townhouse. You've got this amazing car to drive around, <clears throat> and you got a load of cash that gets dropped off every every month. I'm waiting for the bad uh, part to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, in, in accepting this deal to get out, you sort of made this uh, this devil's bargain. Uh, and, and now there is a catch, yes, because now whenever that phone rings, you have to answer it, and you have to do exactly what you're told to do, no matter what it is, no matter what kind of crime you have to commit, no matter what kind of horror you have to face. You made this deal to get out of prison, and now there is no way out. And that's the basic idea behind this book. Very interesting. When you were um, crafting this novel, Steve, <clears throat> who I, I'm guessing who who came first? Was it Nick, the one who makes the devil's bargain, 
or was it Darius Cole, the devil? It it was Nick. It was it was this character. It was Nick Mason. After doing, um, you know, I I did uh, ten Alex McKnight books. Um, you know, going back to the beginning, and and I, you know, there's there's times when you just have to do something different, and I and I had that same feeling when I did did the Lock Artist, which was the book about a young safecracker. And then I had the same feeling again here, although this time it felt like it was real, really time to start a whole new series. And um, I was already working with Shane Salerno by then, who was a, who was a filmmaker and a, and a screenwriter. And uh, we were both just, just sort of taught, we just sort of knocking back some ideas about about what kind of character we could put into some sort of really impossible situation. And we talked about it a lot, and we and we had a couple ideas sort of sort of collide, and that's how Nick Mason was really uh, born. We sort of had this idea of this career criminal who gets put into this vice grip, and just uh, what he does to try to get out of it. Um, well, you mentioned Alex McKnight. I, I want to talk about him for a second because sure. I still remember picking up Cold Day in Paradise. <laughs> And going, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And the next thing I know, I was finished with it. And I went, holy crap, this is amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite book series, hands down. Oh, well, exactly. thank you. Thank you very much. Um, could you talk a bit about the origins of Alex McKnight? Well, Alex McKnight, um, I mean, that's going back to when I just wanted to see if I could write a crime novel, really. And I was I was thinking I would write a private eye novel just because that's what I loved reading, you know, the Raymond Chandler, the the, the classic hard boiled private eye novel. And I and I just couldn't have this guy sitting in an office with the with the bottle on his desk and the and the trench coat and the whole thing. I mean, I I just couldn't do it. I actually tried to do it, and I, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't make that work. I I couldn't make that client come to the, to the door and, and get the story started. And you know, just like. You know, out of any situation, if you if you feel like you're failing, you just got to look at it differently. And I said, well, what if he's not in an office with his name on the door? Maybe he's just in the most unlikely place that I can think of. Maybe it's something totally different. And that's how I ended up with this uh, ex-cop who's up in this little town called Paradise, Michigan, which is a real place. It's, it's the loneliest place I know. And uh, that was the first book, uh, A Cold Day in Paradise. And I wasn't thinking about the second book or the third or the or the tenth or the eleventh, with I, which I'm actually just about to hand in uh, this month. Uh, that's but that's how Alex was born, and I and I owe a lot to him because because uh, really he's he's where it all started. Cool. So so now. Now that you've kind of transitioned, well, you haven't, you haven't really transitioned because you still have, you know, your the 11th book in your next series. Yeah, now, but exactly. now that you're kind of going to have a little two simul, simultaneously, you know, kind of series, is there something that you, and, and the reason I'm asking is because when you have one series and you're going to have another, is, is there like an alter ego? So when people pick up both series, are they going to notice a different writing style, maybe something different with Nick Mason than they do with the McKnight series? Is it is it still going to raise the same kind of Steve Hamilton? Or, or you challenge yourself a little way maybe with another series to open up and broaden yourself as an author to kind of do more things or something a little different? Well, that's the idea. When you take, when you, you take a break from a series, you want to challenge yourself and, and you want to stretch and you want to do something new because then when you go back – 
you've got this new energy. And I and I noticed that when I took the break for the for the lock artist. And I went back to Alex McKnight, and the next book was uh, Misery Bay, which I thought was for me just sort of a step up. It was just it was just a bigger kind of book. And um, and I really kind of noticed the same thing here, where I uh, where I took the break and we started the Nick Mason series, and, I, and then I went back to Alex. And um, this next book is just going to be darker, I think, and more suspenseful. It's just going to be the best one yet. And but as far as being able to tell the two of them apart, I mean, I, I really just want if it's Alex McKnight, if it's Nick Mason, I wanted to just grab you from the first page and then uh, just and just go and, and just and just pull you into the story. Um, and I mean, I mean, really, I mean, Alex is a first person book and Nick Mason is a third person. But aside from that, I just want to I just wanted to grab you and go and I don't care how I do that. I'm so um, this book comes out tomorrow. It does, and yeah. it actually was supposed to come out last year. <laughs> yes, and and I remember <laughs> yes, I still have the original galley that I got. Do, yeah, oh yeah, those are those are going for like a thousand bucks on eBay or something. So, uh, <laughs> so oh, hold wow. on to that. Thanks for letting me know. I'm going to get my kid through college now. There but uh, um, Jeff, we're splitting that because now I know. <laughs> oh well, shoot, sorry. Um, but a, a lot of our listeners are beginning writers. Could you talk about what sparked your really bold decision to do what you did with this book. Yeah, well, you know, I mean that was after after all these books and all this time with the same publisher. I was there with I was actually there for 17 years. And I, and we did I did 12 books for them and I was the most loyal person in the world to a fault. Um and there were other authors who, you know, this is this is St. Martin's Press. I'll just go ahead and tell you who who they were. And this is the the publisher that everybody starts with. And everybody leaves, and everybody was telling me I should leave too. And I, but I stayed loyal to them because I believed that they were gonna, you know, that things were things were gonna change. And when I got to this series, it 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 felt like this was the most important book of my life. And I just couldn't stand to stand by and watch it die because it, it felt like this was really my last chance to sort of break out and, and move to a to a to a whole different place. Um, I mean, I had already sold a million books for St. Martin's, and when and when Shane started representing me, we signed this new four-book deal with them, and they made all of these promises to me about how things were going to be different this time. They were going to, you know, really step it up, and I, there was going to be all these great things happening that had never happened before. And we were 60 days away from the book's release. Uh, the, the original release last fall. I mean, these these books were literally waiting to be printed. They were just ready to start rolling. And we finally, you know, we finally begged them, and we finally saw the marketing plan. And it was just there was it was nothing on it. It was just there was no plan. There was no coordinated media. Uh, media. There were no profiles. There was no interviews. It just the the book just was not going to have any of of the support that they had promised, and um, I remember that night. I, mean, I was talking to Shane, and we both got really to sort of the same place uh, when we we're talking about it, and, and we just said to each other, "We said we we have to leave." I mean, it was this radical idea, and it was, it was the scariest thing I, I've ever done. Absolutely terrifying, but um, I was lucky to have Shane on my side because you know at least I had one person 
in my corner who, who believed in me and believed in this book as much as I did. Uh, you know, because we didn't know anything. You know, we, we didn't know about the book it was going to go out and get all these great reviews or that it was going to get these quotes from other writers or that Stephen King was going to tweet about it. or It was just a book that that I had done and I believed in it, and I believed in, in this new character and in, in this this new series. Uh, so we told them that we were going to leave, and, and Shane's probably the only agent in the world who would actually buy out the contract himself. Uh, but uh, as soon as we told them that we were going to actually do that, I think, first of all, they were very surprised that we'd sort of called their bluff, but uh, St. Martin's came right back and, and said to me, you are making the biggest mistake of your life. You are you have just ended your career. So that was another really long night. Um, again, I remember it so well because it was just it just it just felt like I just bet everything I have on this. Every I mean, my family's future. I I'd already left my full time job by then. Um, so we just stared at the ceiling like all night long, and we and I couldn't help but wonder if maybe they were right, if maybe this was the biggest mistake of my life. However, however, to follow up, to fa- the thing that and the the thing that I think that's important to get across that I think a lot of new authors don't realize is just because you get a book deal with a big publisher like a St. Martin's or a Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, Right. that does not mean that you have like technically made it where a lot of these authors do, and then they're like, well, now what are you going to do for me? That's That's kind of a myth that needs to kind of be busted a little bit, that today's day and age, the publishers, like you said, they had a marketing plan that was pretty blank. For an author of your stature, right. it was blank. And I think that these authors need to realize that when you write the end and you get the book deal, that's only the beginning, especially today. It really is. Um, and in fact, Publishers Weekly sort of called it the the dirty little dirty little secret in the in the business. The fact that a lot of the big houses just don't do much to promote their mid list authors anymore. Um, and it's it it really was it really can be a shock. Um, and in this case, having devoted so much time and loyalty to them, it was just devastating to me that um, that it, that this book was just going to go out and die. Um, so it was, uh, and it was. I mean, the worst part of it is that we sort of had this, you know, how this all broke open. We had this agreement with them that after all the years we've been together, you know, we were going to do this the right way. Nobody was supposed to say anything about it publicly. But the day that we left, they broke that agreement and they made this announcement that they were withdrawing the book, you know, like without saying anything else about it, like like it was their idea. So it really felt like they just tried to wreck my career on on the way out. And because we had to respond to that and 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 correct it, that's how the whole thing broke open and it ended up on the front page of, of uh, Publishers Weekly the next day. But it, it, I mean, it really, really hurt me after all those years for them to sort of try to make me damage goods on the way out the door like that. To, you know, almost like they were making sure I couldn't find another publisher. Um, of course, the way it turned out, it sort of totally backfired on them because we—the uh, one thing that we had 
was that manuscript, which was already out there in galleys, so the uh, the other editors could get their hands on it. Um, and they you know, they started calling chains. Sometimes it was even like different imprints from the same houses. And uh, by the end of the day, uh, he was getting offers from ten other publishers. And and that night, literally that night, he was uh, he talked to Ivan Held, who's the president of Putnam. And and we had a new deal. It was it was it was 24 hours later after we left. So I mean, it was just the most amazing turnaround of my life and, and the response that I got from other authors, I mean, talking about other writers who've, who've either been there or haven't been there yet, but, but could sort of imagine, um, it really sort of touched a nerve with, with, with other authors. And, and at that point it really, it didn't even feel like it was about me anymore. It was just like, it was just, it was just the story of all these other authors who had sort of sh- could share the same experience, you know, who had gone through the same thing. And, um, I mean, I can't even say some of their names because some of the happiest were uh, some of the writers from other, from, from I mean, from, from St. Martin's authors. Some of, some of my right. fellow St. Martin's authors were, um, I got some really amazing notes from those guys. One of them, one of them told me that she, she felt like she was looking through the bars of her, of her jail cell and watching me run through the hole I just cut in, in the fence. Wow. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. No, 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 real quick, because, you know, you, you called it the second life of Nick Mason. It's almost the second life of Steve Hamilton. It kind of is. If, if, if you read this, uh, Janet Maslin just had a review come out today in the, in the New York Times. And it's, it was, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's my first review from Janet Maslin, by the way. And it's, and she really kind of makes that same point. And um, it's just, it really felt good to read that today because, because I think she really did get that. So now, with this kind of newfound, and, and well, and it wasn't really, I mean, it was kind of emotion that you had to go through, even those 24, 48 hours that you kind of had and all this that, that happened, do you think any of that or any of that kind of emotion kind of leaked into any of your writing that you did after the fact? I think, well, yeah, I think it has to. I mean, it, it just it's, it's just this new... This new energy I have now, this 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 new excitement that I have that I had gone through this, that I had um, I had found this better place to be now, and that's got to just it just it just it's just such a weight off my mind to be able to just concentrate on this writing now and not to not to be so so worried about all all this other stuff that 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 a writer really shouldn't have to be thinking about. Ideally, you should just be concentrating on on the story. And writing every day and not having to go through something like this. Well, I got to say, your new publisher loves you, and it's wonderful to see because the book is terrific. And uh, listeners, pick up this book now. I got to tell you, go get it. Well, thank you. Um, We'll pre order it because it comes out tomorrow. That's that's true. Pre order it now the second you're done listening to the show. That's right. Actually, actually, technically speaking, though, it comes out in an hour and eleven minutes on the east. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This is like the this is like the ball dropping on the on. on, Yep. In Times Square, right? Exactly. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's such. I mean, I have to say, after all this time. It's been such an amazing roller coaster ride to get here, and it's finally, like you said, it, it's an hour away, and I'm actually already on the on the book tour. I'm, I'm talking to you in a, in a hotel room, mm-hmm. and it all starts tomorrow. 
I mean, I mean, this all becomes real tomorrow. So I'm just, it's, I just, I'm just waiting for tomorrow. It's just like it's finally here. The day is here, and I just can't wait. I'm just so excited to be here. And unlike your, and unlike previous times, like back when, now with social media, you're going to get instant, instant reaction. Come tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's actually been pretty active already. But, but you're right. Tomorrow's yeah. when it. Tomorrow's when it really becomes really real. Hit, yep. Tomorrow becomes real. You're right. One of the things I love about your work is you have a recurring theme throughout about isolation. And I'm wondering, why is that? That's funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how sometimes other people can notice things in your writing that, you, that you're not really conscious of yourself. But then when, you, when, when somebody sort of stands back and points it out to you, um, I guess that has been a theme. These, I mean, if there's something these guys both have in common is that they are isolated in totally different ways. Um, I think one of the other things they have in common, just just as a personality trait, uh, somebody pointed out to me that they're both like intensely loyal people, you know. True. Uh, which you know, Nick is loyal to to the friend that he didn't give up when he went to prison, and Nick, and Alex is loyal to the, the the few friends that he has or somebody who's in need, maybe. I think it says something about the about the author. I, I mean, I think I was loyal to a fault. Um, for 17 years, I mean, I think you can you can see that same pattern, you know, and that's just that's just the type of person that that I am. So I'm gonna always have a quality like that in any main character that that I write. It's gonna be important to me for that person to be a loyal person. Um, but they're also kind of anti-heroes at the same time. They can be, but you know, I mean, I mean, Nick is. Why is Nick making this deal to get out of? to get out of prison. It's because he wants to see his ex-wife and he wants to see more than anything, his nine-year-old daughter. I mean, that's what's driving him. So that's something that, that I can relate to. I'm, I'm sure you can. I would hope any reader can. Um, so if you can see that side of that character, even if even though he is a career criminal, even though he is in prison for for a real reason, it's not like he was just... It's not the old cliche about he was falsely accused and he's the fugitive now i mean i mean i mean he he is in prison because he's he's a criminal but he's not that different from from you and me really i mean he just wants to be with his daughter so that's that that's where you start with something like that and you just build that bond with the readers that because they can empathize with that what about um writing a series how, how do you um, sort of envision doing that? Because you've written several Alex McKnight books, and now Nick is going to be a series. Also, right. at least I hope so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he he he's definitely um, Nick Mason is a series. I'm actually deep into the next uh, Nick Mason book right now. I actually have like the first seven books all plotted out in great detail, <clears throat> which is pretty amazing. Because wow. I think after doing 11 Alex McKnight books, I just learned a lot about how a series should develop um, and how some of the other characters in the series should be, should go through some pretty dramatic uh, transformations of their own. And um, the, one of the things that I'm most excited about with the Nick Mason series is that I can already see how some of these characters, like some that you think of as an ally, could turn into an enemy or an enemy into an ally. There'll be all these surprises and if you think about the situation that he's in, you know, having to answer that phone whenever it rings and then do whatever he's told to do, 
that situation can take him anywhere in the world. I mean, it could. I mean, just think about what that next call could be and where it could take him. That I think. That's I'm hoping it takes him to like a Vegas strip club or something, but you never know. <laughs> you never that's, know. That's, that's just me. That's just me, though. Or or it could take him someplace. Yeah, I mean, who who knows? It's you but. Just, but it is going to take. And I think that's and, that, and that's the suspenseful, interesting part because you just don't know when that phone rings, who's going to be on the other end and what they're going to say. Uh, right. I mean, so far it's been yeah. one person, but that you never know how that might change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, but um, and I, speaking of Alex, and I, I said, as I said, I've already turned in the next book in that series, and I think that one will be the best book yet. And I, you know, I'd like to think that. If you're a reader and you like Alex McKnight, that you're gonna just you know love Nick, Nick Mason. But uh, there's a there will be a book in the future when both of these guys will come together and meet in the same book. I was gonna ask that one. Okay, so that's gonna that. happen. Yeah, they are gonna because that that has to happen. So yeah. Alex and Nick are are gonna run into each other. Well, nothing happen. like leaving us on a cliffhanger, Steve, but we kind of have run out of time on that it's one. Okay. But hey man, great stuff and you know, the insight and so and we're so happy that you're able to, you know, talk openly with your situation what happened because, you know, some authors or whatnot might not be able to, but you know, thank you so much for being so open and honest in your situation because I think it does shed light and hopefully opens up people's eyes uh on what happened. And not to mention, you you wrote a kick-ass book from it. I mean, and that's the thing that comes out tomorrow, and it's the second life of Nick Mason. So, you know, kudos, man. Way to go. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, as long as it came out in the open, you might as well talk about it. You might as well, you know, give your side of it. So that's all. That's all I've ever all I've ever wanted to do is just just be open and honest about what happened. And um, now that the book is out tomorrow, and I'm going 28 different events all over the country my the first time i'm really going to do it the right way and really go on a national book tour and That's see bad. everybody i just can't tell you how totally excited and amped up i am just to just to get this started tomorrow i mean that's breaking the rules already 28 different locations for a book tour that's almost unheard of unless you're sitting behind the computer and you're saying you're going on 28 different blogs or radio shows <laughs> <laughs> but I love doing it. I'm, I'm, I, seriously, I, it sounds like it's exhausting, and it probably will be. But I just can't tell you how excited I am just, just, just to start this. It, it just feels like this is really the second life. Just like, just, just like Janice said. Just like you guys said. Yeah. This, this is my second life as a writer, and I, and I cannot wait for it to start tomorrow. Oh, success. Yeah. Well, hey, great. congratulations. Look forward to seeing both series, how they progress, how you're going to do it, and, and can't wait to uh, see how you actually kind of bring them together uh, in the book world and, and how you're going to pull that one off. So much kudos to you, my friend. Thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's total my pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, and uh, we'll see you at Thriller Fest. You got it. Yes, I'll be there. All right. You have a good one, Steve. You got it. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. So, again, everybody, that is author Steve Hamilton, uh, and the book is called The Second Life of Nick Mason. Now, if you want to go to Steve's website, it is authorstevehamilton.com. Make sure you put the author in front of it. So, authorstevehamilton.com to find out more information about this book 
and all of his Alec McKnight series, like you said, he has book 11 that's already been turned in, so that'll be good, too. Um, let's take a quick break, Jeff. Let's come back after, and we will talk about um, – we're going to get into some summer blockbusters now that Civil War finally hit, Batman Superman kind of hit, so we're going to get into that. All right? Sounds good. You ready? Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Here we go. everybody here after the break again we want to thank steve for joining us it was an absolute pleasure to have him on the air um the one thing too i got to remind everybody before we continue on is visit kensingtonbooks.com that includes daniel palmer kevin o'brien lisa jackson mary burton and more kensington books is sponsoring all the radio shows this year so visit kensingtonbooks.com also janet cole writes what she knows the world of big law lawyers and clients 
Her new book is a, her new book is a mystery called The Smell of Money. In the book, she pairs a disgruntled law partner with a contract killer having a midlife crisis. They have a common client, an old woman whose ruthlessness – how can old women have ruthlessness? But they are – who need to kill opponents, and they meet when the killer's next target is the lawyer's daughter. So find it on Amazon or in your bookstore. You can visit coleslaw.com, and that's Cole with a K. Also, Betty Jean Craig has a new book called Fairfield's Auction. It's the latest book in her Witherstone mystery series. You can visit Betty Jean Craig. That's Craig with an E dot com for more information on that. And last but not least, Crooked Lane Books wants to know if you're ready for a thrill because you can check out their great books, including Leslie Karst and Anna Carlisle, by visiting crookedlanebooks.com. Make sure you go and check out our sponsors. Um, they're very important to the show, and, and that's what keeps Jeff and I on the air talking to you. But even if they weren't here, we'd still freaking talk to you. We would just have to talk a lot longer. So that's, that's <laughs> it. So, you know, because uh, we got to pay them bills. So that's how that. we pay them bills. Yeah. Uh, so have All you right, gotten so Kevin O'Brien's new book yet? I did. I got it, and I'm going to start reading it. I actually have it in my bag, um, and so I'm going to start reading it. And John Gilstrap uh, forwarded me over an autographed copy of his book, Friendly Fire, and he asked me to read it, so I'm going to read that one. I still have Alex Marwood. Well, I just finished Alex Marwood. I'm going to get that one. But then um, the next ones are John Gilstrap and Kevin O'Brien. So, But Jesus Christ, Kevin's books are becoming a fucking weapon now, starting to become as big as like <laughs> Tom Clancy. Yeah, they, they are large, but they're good and immersive. And I uh, just finished the new book, and uh, it's crazy. Okay, so how is it compared to like, you know, okay, first of all, for all you that just heard that fucking beeping sound, I don't know what it is. I've been trying to figure out what it is. I don't know if I have a gremlin in my in my studio or what, but I can't figure out what it is. And it beeps every flipping 15 minutes. Like clockwork, it's like every 15 minutes the thing beeps. So you're going to hear it again at um, 8.18, just so you guys know. So it just beeps twice. But at least it's not a bomb because it would have blown up by now unless it was created by ISIS, and then they would have blown themselves up. So I'm not worried about it. Or North Korea. Either one I'm okay with. So, Jeff, you yeah. had the privilege, because I've not seen it yet, so are we going to hear your review of the new you Civil War movie, of course, which is the Marvel, um, uh, you know, the Marvel movie, it's uh, Captain America Civil War, off of the comic book line, which I did read, called Civil War, which is a massive um, comic book story arc that they had that went through so many different um, uh, so many different of their lines. I mean, it was Spider-Man. I mean, it was through all of them, Spider-Man, Hulk, Iron Man, all of them. So we get to hear your review on what you think of the movie. So head it out of the park, my man. <laughs> well, I'm a big Marvel fan to begin with, and I've enjoyed how, starting with the Iron Man movie, they've been going, and every film ties into the previous one, and then other characters start popping in. And it essentially is a cinematic universe and I really like that and though I would and still if you're listening Marvel get the rights back to Fantastic Four because they haven't done it right yet over at Fox sure. uh, well you know what's <laughs> funny just uh, just to top on they actually got with Sony to be able to make the next Spider-Man movie um, because Sony see a lot of people didn't realize that Sony held the rights to that and that was Sony's baby but I guess they actually got them to be able to they're still going to make a lot of money, of course, Sony is, but they licensed them out to be able to do it for this Avengers kind of 
Civil War kind of series, I guess. So they're going to be so there's going to be another Spider-Man movie, which you know I, I thought Andrew Garfield did a good job. I guess it's this new kid, but they keep screwing up. You know the whole Spider-Man well, series. I think. Um, I well, <laughs> gotta tell you, I thought that uh, Captain America: Civil War was phenomenal. They okay. really did a great job not only having the moral dilemma and forcing friends to become enemies, it worked. It's very funny, it's very sad, and you mentioned Spider-Man. They do bring in Spider-Man, and I was a little reluctant at first, and within a couple minutes of him running around, I was in love with this new one. They brought it back right I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Homecoming, even though I hate the title, next year. And uh, I thought it was arguably the best Marvel movie they've made yet. Now, is Homecoming going to be under Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, or the Avengers? No, it's Spider-Man it's going Homecoming. To be? Okay, it's going to be Spider-Man. Now, did you read the Civil War comic arc? I did, and it would have been how, fun how, to how have is some of the other groups in, like some of the X-Men and some of the Fantastic Four, but they obviously couldn't do that because of licensing. Right. But what they did with it and keeping it into what they've done up to this point, I thought they did a great job. Of course, they couldn't do the same storyline, and that's fine, but uh, this this was terrific. And in terms of how good it is, uh, when I was watching it with my son, after it was over, he looked at me and he said, Dad, that's what Batman versus Superman should have been. Well, and the truth is, the characters yeah. come first still. And this was a whole hell of a lot of fun. Well, now, the one thing that that got me at the very beginning of the Civil War comic line was Spider-Man takes his mask off in front of everybody. That was a massive thing. Um, he doesn't do that here. Okay. But... It's it's clear that um, somebody knows who he is right off the bat, and they actually have some fun with that. Which is probably Tony Stark, because I believe Tony Stark does know who he is. Again, this is if you read the comics. People yeah. have to read and the, actually, you don't read the comics, correct. and you're not going to understand some of those little nuances. About, they're talking about Robert Downey Jr. actually being in Homecoming as a result. Well, they should, because if people, and a lot of people also don't remember that in the in the Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire... Um, and the black suit, the the black suit. If I'm right now, I might get emails about this from from mad comic book people, and then they get mad. I believe that Iron Man made a suit for Spider Man that was the black suit. Am I right? He makes a suit for him in this movie. Aha! So they did bring that shit in there. Okay. So yeah, yeah. because I believe. Because I think when they had the Tobe Maguire, when they had it like Venom with the black, you know, and he turned whatever. No, the black suit was made by Iron Man for Spider-Man for a certain thing. And I don't remember exactly what it is. Because I have to admit, I'm a, a, we could go on for an hour show between DC <laughs> Marvel because I'm a DC guy and you're a Marvel guy. <laughs> but we can't find one fucking thing that we agree on, except we both love each other and we both love this world. So that's the one thing we do agree on. Um, well, th- well, there you go. Yeah. Yes. So, um, because yeah, because I'm a DC guy and you're a Marvel guy. Fun. 
Um, and absolutely, guess, and, and the and, reason I say that is because the DC films have been – some of them have been terrific, but the Superman last two have been god-awful. Well, i got to tell you, I've not liked I – think, I think Superman is one of the worst characters to ever have on screen. And the reason why I think that is because the villains have to be so flippin', alien, outlandish, because Superman is, he's indestructible pretty much. The only thing you can really get to is his mind, which the Batman versus Superman in the comic books, that's what happens, is that his mind is taken over. Um, And again, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was Poison Ivy that did that, but it was... um, and, and you can manipulate his mind. You you can do that, and it's very it's not hard to do actually. Uh, and that's how one that whole things, Batman versus Superman in the comics happened. One of the things that works so well with Civil War is the main villain is not somebody with superpowers or anything else. He's a normal guy, and as a normal guy, what do you do to bring down a superhero? And he does it right, and it works really well. And the reason I haven't liked the last DC movies is it hasn't been the villains or anything else. It's just been – it's clear that the filmmakers don't like the characters. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, I mean, when Christopher Nolan did the three Batman movies, I mean, those are arguably probably the three best movies I would. I think that those are three uh, the, the three best trilogy movies about one character ever made uh, in comic book lore. I think that they're better than the Iron Man movies um, because they only focused on Batman. It didn't bring in other things. There was no Robin. There was no Batgirl. There was no thong flipping. You know, wearing Batman. It was straight to the point. You know, Heath Ledger playing the Joker was outstanding. They had, you know, he used the Scarecrow and Bane and, and other things. So the best thing DC about in general the DC movies, terrible. DC in the general movies you mentioned, <laughs> and huh? the Marvel movies, it's all about the character and you care about yeah. them. It doesn't matter what oh, they're the doing. Oh, the Marvel movies trump the DC movies overall by far, by far. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think about, like, the last Iron Man movie – the scenes that I didn't like were the ones where they were fighting each other in the battles. When it was the quiet moments, it was the character moments. Those are the reasons why these films work so well. And that's why I would argue the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were so good, too. It was about the character. Yeah. Well, let's jump ahead a little bit, and let's start looking at some summer blockbusters. This is kind of our – we're going to kind of jump off the book segment a little mm-hmm. bit and kind of get into the other segment because the summer blockbuster, now that Civil War came out, Batman, Superman. I guess you could say eh, that was, you know, I can't count that as a summer blockbuster because it came out in March, so I don't count that. But Civil War kind of started the beginning now, um, and it seems like the summer blockbusters are starting now, the beginning of May. And we just had the darkness that come out, which I thought was uh, it's going to, you know, it, it is what it is. It's going to be the type of movie that you're either going to go or you're not. I mean, you're not. It's not going to win any freaking awards. But this week. Um, and if you want to just stay with the focus of, you know, suspense, mystery, thriller, horror, uh, you got Angry Birds. I mean, that's suspenseful in itself. I, right? I'm a fan of the game, but i got to tell you, the trailers for that make me cringe. <laughs> I'm the person you, you want it's to like, kill. It's like, how do you bring a game to life? I and mean, that's the tough part. It's tough with anything. Yeah, they got a great voice cast, but I'm 
so not interested. Well, we are going to the Ellen Show. Um, me and uh, me and my family are going to go see a, a, the Ellen Show on Thursday. We're going to be at the taping of the Ellen Show, and we get us and we believe that we get to see Johnny Depp because he's going to be on the show Friday, which is they air it. They 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 tape the show the day before it airs on TV, and he'll be there for Alice through the Looking Glass. Um, ah. And that comes out the same time as X Men Apocalypse. I'm not sure what stupid studio thought that that was a good idea. However, I'm looking forward to both of those movies. I think those are both going to be outstanding movies, X-Men Apocalypse and Alice Through the Looking Glass. I have to disagree with you, and I say that because I was excited about X-Men Apocalypse. I love Brian Singer. I love the X-Men. I love what he's been doing. And the reviews have been coming out, and they have been scathing, to say the least. And really, I haven't seen any hope reviews. for it have just diminished. Yeah. Now, when, is when, it because they got away from and they tried to bring in some of the older X Men? I mean, what was their problem? Because I thought when they rebooted X Men the first time with the younger cast and you saw the young Magneto and you saw, I thought that was great. Um, I love so first what class. Were they I love this Days one? of Future Past. Loved yeah. them. Yeah. Um, the reviews have all been pretty much saying the same thing, that the villain is terrible. Oh, well, I'm telling you, you know, villains drive movies, villains drive these movies at times. I mean, you got to have great villains or else, because you already know the hero's going to win. You already know it's going to win out, but the villain's got to drive the movie. Right. I'm still going to see But what about Alice? You want to see Alice? Well, everything I've seen from the trailer tells me that it's just them standing in front of a green screen for an hour and a half. And Alice, I kind of got annoyed movie? by the first movie for that reason. Oh, so you didn't really like Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp the first time? Not really. Um, okay. I wanted to, so what, but I didn't. So what do you? So now, now those those come out May twenty seventh. Then coming out June the third, you get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, Michael Bay, one of my favorites. Thank yeah, you. Out of the Shadows, that looks fun. I thought the first movie was really fun, um, and I think that the new Ninja Turtles are just fun, and I and I crack up and I love them, and I, and I, I just laugh. Really? I do. I laugh. Okay. I, I think they're fun. Okay. I do. But the one thing is, and my daughter keeps telling me, she goes, yeah, but the rat's dead. I'm like, the rat's not dead. Stop saying the rat's dead. You can't kill the rat. <laughs> All right? He's not dead. He's just in a rat coma. He's not dead. Okay. Yeah, I'm but not then, a fan um, of the turtle either. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. Okay, how about this one? June 10th, you got three pretty good movies. Now, one, I have to tell you, this is the one I've been waiting for, and I'll save it last. Now You See Me 2 comes out, and then The I Conjuring cannot wait 2 for that. comes out. Huh? I cannot wait for Now You See Me 2. I love the first and one. Then, and then The Conjuring 2 comes out. So if you're liking the, the horror ghost stuff, the Conjuring wasn't mm-hmm. too bad. We'll see how The Conjuring 2 works out. But the movie that I can't wait to see is Warcraft. That's the one I'm waiting to see. The trailer in 3D is amazing to see. Warcraft was um, awesome. And I even got the prequel book um, because I play World of Warcraft. And I've been playing it since the okay. inception when the game came out. So all the things you that they talk that, about. Um, and the, I know all the characters. Movies based on video games have such a great success rate. <laughs> okay. 
And I knew you were going to say that because I just said that earlier with uh, with the Angry Birds. But yes. this is a little different in the fact of Warcraft. If you if anybody plays World of Warcraft, there's like one thousand storylines that are going on within the game itself, and you're kind of immersing yourself in these storylines that are going on, and you're doing missions, of course, within all of these storylines. So I told you eight. Flipping 18, that damn thing went beeping again. So, I heard it, um, yeah. But it, looks, but it does look fabulous. Now, I'm curious to see how they go, what, what route they go, and how they – and what storyline they decide to make. Because for me, looking at the trailer, it looks like it's going to be pre-Alliance versus – because if the, people don't know World of Warcraft, you have the Horde, you have the Alliance. And, the, um, and basically, the Horde is the orcs. And, you know, the undead and, and the humans are and the dwarfs are on the Alliance side. So you have those two clashes. Now, it doesn't look like that they have that split yet. So I think this might be the explanation of how the Horde and Alliance come about. But I'm reading the prequel and I'll have to see because they're talking about some things that um, have happened in the latest expansion part where they call it the Draenor and that was the latest expansion of the game, so I'm not sure where they're going to go, but uh, it'll be curious to see. I'm excited about that, seeing that one. Okay, yeah. Um, and Shannon's curious. I, she wants to see amazing. Now You See Me too. So Shannon's with you. She wants to see Now You See Me too really bad. I, I love the whole element of watching something and you think one thing's going on when something else is going on, and especially using magic as a way of doing the sleight of hand and sleight of mind. Yeah. I did find it funny that Daniel Radcliffe is, is in this one and I found that, that kind of funny. Um you know <laughs> yeah. the only thing the only thing about the movie and the trailer that I thought was a little off for me was the tricks that they showed were so flippin' outlandish that it was like, Okay, I mean when the guy falls down into the rain and becomes water, I was like, uh, yeah, dude you lost me on that one. That one you literally lost me. It's like I know you, you know, magic act or this and that, but it's kind of like, don't do something that you really just have no possibility of ever pulling off. Well, how do you know that? I don't know. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Now, June 17th, finally you get the sequel to Finding Nemo, which is Finding Dory. That should be cute. And you also have Central Intelligence, which is the... And Central Intelligence was the comedy between Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, which, I, you know, should be pretty cool. Um, but June 24th comes, and we can talk about this a little bit, we've got a little time, is the sequel to Independence Day. Uh, I'm not too happy about it. I think that you can only pull off the, our world's going to end, and this is our Independence Day, July 4th speech, once, in a, and make it work. Uh, this just seems like this is a cash grab and I will not be going to see it. Um, I'm in your camp on this one, especially because they didn't even get Will Smith to come back. Yeah, they got him. That, that yeah. tells it to me right there. Yeah, it, but when he there's says, no way. But when, you, is it Bill? No, it's not. I was, it's Bill Paxton, right? Not Bill. Is it Pullman? It's Pullman. Okay, I yeah. get the two. Bill Paxton was in Twister. That's right. Um when he said, yes. when the trailer, when he says the exact same speech that he said before, it was like, dude, really? Is Randy Quaid coming out of the alien ship now? And he's going to be like, I'm back. I mean, it's like, come on. It, this is a cash yeah. grab at this point, and I'm not going to go see that at all. 
Yeah. I have, I, uh, I have no interest at all. I was surprised when it was announced. Now, here's a movie coming up June 29th, which I'm really worried about. My daughter mentioned it because we were dumb enough to see We were one of the dumb ones to go see the movie Open Water. Um, and this is called The Shallows, which is a the Blake Lively movie, which is about the shark and this and that. I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Maybe just to see Blake Lively in a bikini is about the only reason to go see it. Other than that, I just can't imagine that this movie's going to be any good at all. Um, let's, there, let's run through them real quick here again now. So we got The Legend of Tarzan, July 1st, along with The Purge, the election year. Purge is a pretty decent series. That, that should be interesting. July 8th, though, yeah, Secret Tarzan, Life please. of Pets. Maybe the best movie for the summer could be out, Secret Life of Pets. That could be fabulous. It, it looks cute. Yeah. Then July 15th, you get another movie that I will not go see, and that is Ghostbusters. They already did it right the first time, so stop screwing it up and trying to do it again. If I don't we'll take my daughter to that, she will kill me. You know, I'm just—I was—I was literally weighing: is death better than the goat? I don't know. That's a—that's <laughs> a toss-up. Maybe I'll be in the—maybe I'll be in the movie at that point. I don't maybe know. you will. Um, and then, of course, July 22nd. We talked about this two weeks ago. Star Trek Beyond comes out. Uh, so we'll see how that one does. Um, let me just say that the fact that they have not released a second trailer for this movie. And the movie comes out in two months concerns me a great deal, and I'm praying, praying, praying that this movie will be good. Well, maybe they'll stick it on um, a movie here. Maybe they'll stick it on like an X-Men movie in the theaters, and then they'll start showing it on TV. Sometimes they do that, so we'll have to see. Well, I hope so, yeah, because usually the Blitz is out there by now. True. Now, July 29th, Jason Bourne comes back, and that's Matt Damon, so that should be very good. Oh, I'm there. Hopefully. Yep. Um, another wait. movie that I'm curious to see on August 5th is kind of like what Marvel did with Deadpool. DC's doing it's the Suicide Squad, um, and I'm really curious to see that one. I really love the Harley Quinn character. I love Suicide Squad. I'm reading the book, the comics right now, actually, to get myself caught up. So they I'm are, really they curious to see today that. They that there's going to be a Harley Quinn movie now. I know, and that should be interesting because um, she's one of the unsung heroes in DC that doesn't get a lot of praise but it's just a fantastic character. Uh, so I think that's going to be great. I'm looking forward um, to seeing what they do with What else we got? We got Pete's Dragon comes out on August the 12th. Again, I guess it's just a remake of the original way back when. Well, with and, better animation. Uh, yeah, better animation. But, hey, I mean, you know, Helen Reddy was pretty good. And Mickey Rooney, man, come on, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> you got Robert Redford this time. That's true. And then after that, um, I guess there's a couple other movies I haven't really looked. There's one called Max Steel. Um, it looks like Mechanic Resurrection comes out in late August. And then you start hitting into September where you're pretty much through the summer blockbusters. And I do see that Girl on a Train, it comes out August the 7th, or October the 7th. I don't know about that. But Jack Reacher Never Go Back comes out October 21st. So if you're a fan of the Reacher and, you know, that comes out October 21st. And he doesn't have a lot of uh, – he, he's not going to have a lot of uh, competition because Ouija 2 comes out and Tyler Perry's A Medea Halloween. So he looks pretty good on that weekend to come out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> exactly. It's a scary one. I'm curious about The Girl on the Train. I know it's a popularly read book, but sometimes these 
I remember when they brought out the Katherine Heigl one with the Jay and Ivanovich, one for the money, and then Clive Cussler, Sahara, and Sweda. Those were so god-awful that it's almost like they're trying to capture, okay, the book was popular, let's do, let's do the movie real quick. Unlike The Martian, which the book became popular later, and then all of a sudden the movie, but the movie was done right. I'm a little worried about The Girl on the Train, because I thought Gone Girl wasn't really done that well. No, you know, some people like it, but... Um, I I was I I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. So that's me. Um, I I'm not a fan of the whole reliable unreliable narrator genre as a whole. Yeah. And I I wish that that particular um, subgenre would go away. I'm with you. But what we'll do is, you know, maybe while the summer's going on, maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this a little bit often. Maybe we'll come back and. Uh, maybe around the end of uh, June, talk about the movies that were out and some of those big ones, and then we can, you know, hit them again. Because there are some really good ones um, coming out. So there should be something for everybody. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, the lineup overall, I'm going to give it until – I haven't seen anything. Just the lineup overall right now feels like a B minus, but it could be a B plus if some of these other ones come out. I'm not going to give it an A because there's still too many remakes of movies that I don't really care for, and then there's cash grabs that I don't care for. So I can't give it an A, but I think right now maybe B minus. What do you think about the lineup overall? Um, I'm disappointed, especially because last year was such an amazing year for great movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. If you compare it to last year, then it was probably it's probably more like a C minus. I I would go there. Yeah. So but we'll it it only takes a couple of good movies to change my mind. It does. Let's it hope. does. And and at the end of the year, I mean, we can't forget, you know, because uh, at the end of the year, coming up in December, of course, the big one is uh, Rogue One: A Star Wars Story, and this is going to be an absolutely brand new thing because there's no force really, no nothing. It's just a straight. Uh, forward uh, movie that's much different than the other Star Wars ones, so that'll be pretty exciting to see how they go on that route because it's no no Luke, no Leia, no Han, no none of that shit. It's all totally different. So yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. Well, Jeff, it's always been fascinating. We are under the gun, and so again, uh, we want to thank Steve for coming on. Make sure you go to authorstevehamilton.com for more information on his book. The Second Life of Nick Mason book comes out May 17th. So if you're listening to this live, you got to get it tomorrow. If you're listening to it tomorrow, the book's out now. So go get it. All right? There you go. <laughs> and it is terrific. Jeff, it's always a pleasure, my man. You get well. Well, thank you. We will try, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And I'll try to fix this damn beep. And, you know, if it, <laughs> you know otherwise, it, otherwise I won't fix it. All right, everybody. Yeah, so we'll see you beep. on two weeks. Until next time. Keep on reading. All right, take care.